Hello, hello everyone out there. Lovely believers, thanks so much for joining us today. You are watching Belief. We are a conscious media company. We're bringing you guys stories evolving around money and business, health and wellness, true success, our universe and world news. I'm Vanessa. Thanks again so much for joining. You can always check us out at uh, believe.love. That's our lovely website as well as youtube.com forward slash believe loves you, facebook.com forward slash believe loves you. Um, Apple users, check out believeitunes.com and for our Android users, believeandroid.com. All right, let's get started today. We're gonna start on a topic here with money and business. And we're going to be talking about, are you a small business owner or are you an entrepreneur? I know this is something <clears throat> that we kind of get confused about. Small businesses are definitely the backbone um, of this country. It's amazing. Um, they create jobs. They come up with new ways of doing old things. Um, they help keep money in local communities. We're very grateful for small businesses, of course. But without small businesses, we would truly be in like a bigger economic mess. We know that. So many of us have started small businesses or been a part of small businesses. There's still many of us that still don't even really, you know, get confused about the term small business owner versus entrepreneur. Both can have small businesses, <laughs> um, but they handle their business differently and they usually have different leadership styles and they usually have different thoughts on running a business or, or their business. So we're gonna figure out some of the major differences between a small business owner and an entrepreneur. First things first, small business owners, they have great ideas. They, they solve a problem for the community. They usually know their business um, very well, or they know their target audience. They know what it is that they wanna do. And um, they know how to make their customers happy. They work on that and they truly, truly serve their customers. They're, they're, they're really, they're local community um, businesses and they're really for that local community feel. Entrepreneurs, on the other hand, they have big ideas. They dream big, they think big, they come up with ideas that have never been tested, they or diagnosed or worked through. They, they literally come up with things out of nowhere. Most of the time though, they don't know if their idea is even possible. And that's actually what usually excites them. They get really excited about the risk and all that. And they're out to change the world. And they're often prefer passion over profit. They're looking at, doing something amazing and changing or shifting the way that we do something. And they're, of course the money is great and I'm sure that's a great reason to be an entrepreneur, but they're usually looking at the bigger picture um, when it comes to starting that business. Now back to small business owners, they're a little more stable and steady. They like to know what's coming up next and they like to know where it's coming from. They like to analyze and make calculated decisions um, and where the outcome is clear. They like to fully understand where they're going. And it's always propelling them forward, whether it's like a little small change in their business or it's a huge change. They're only focused on, of course, going forward. Entrepreneurs, they love risk. They are a little different. They step out on the ledge and they, they really jump into their ideas head first and they risk nearly everything all the time. And you know they put their full, full, full effort out and their best foots forward. And they consider that risk to always be worth it in the end, no matter what happens. They're always focused on the bigger picture, the bigger thing or the next big thing even. Small business owners, they think what needs to be done this week. That's just a common phrase. They, they have daily or weekly to-do lists and tasks and they take things one step at a time. 
They manage employees usually, they, they work with their customers, they network with new customers, and they just keep going, they keep moving forward. Entrepreneurs, they think about six months ahead. They tend to focus on the future of the company. They tend to see the big picture. They'd rather hire people to manage their business and they don't even, they're not even really involved with it much so that they can focus on the big picture so that they can see past the little things that are happening day to day. Small business owners, they're usually sentimental about their business. Usually they're like family owned businesses and everyone's involved and if they do plan to sell or pass it off, it'll most likely go to a family member or a close friend or someone that they know personally. They like to be a part of the day to day and they really like to see their company grow. Um, entrepreneurs, they're focused on the scaling. They truly want to see things expand. They want to grow. They want to literally be <laughs> the growth. They set up their business to run without their, without their involvement, like I said, and they do that whether they intend to sell it or not. They just, they have a different approach to how they, they lead their business. They surround themselves with experts. They'd rather have the best of the best actually doing the, the, the work um, as, so they can focus on you know, what, what they do the best at. They can focus on entrepreneuring and just finding new ideas and networking with other people and all of that. They don't necessarily need to be a part of every single little decision that goes into making their business or creating their business because they hired the right people to do so. So America, we need small businesses, right? We, we need small business owners and it holds the economy and entrepreneurs to propel it forward. So we need the small businesses to hold that economy in place, but we need the entrepreneurs to propel it forward, to really see past everything else and to really make those things happen. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. I don't think anyone really would go as far as to say that one is better than the other. But the question is, and I'm asking you, are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? And honestly, you know, you have to ask yourself some questions. Do you want to help your community? Or do you just want to be successful and enjoy what you do and enjoy you know, your life and your job? Do you look forward to being stable in one location all the time? Um, or would you rather travel and place your mark all over the world? You, know? you really have to ask yourself those questions and you need to ask yourself you know, before diving into that venture. So you can really, really be sure that you're making the right decisions for yourself, making the right decisions for you and for your future. So ask yourself, are you a small business owner or are you an entrepreneur? We're gonna move over to health and wellness. This is a very interesting subject for you guys today. Have scientists found the miracle cure for cancer? Let's see. Um, the use of cell therapy, which is treating diseases by introducing living cells into the patient, um, it's not a new thing. <clears throat> We're gonna talk about cell therapy today and a, a few other things as well. Doctors have been successfully transplanting human bone marrow for more than 60 years now, right? And transfer or transfusing blood for nearly a century. So we know that this concept of cell um, therapy and just, I guess, extracting different cells and injecting different cells have, have, has been going on for a while. But today, oncologists are working on a new form of cell therapy where they reprogram the patient's tissue to destroy the cancer cells at a cellular level. That's pretty cool. The uh, CART therapy, it's the T cells, chimeric antigen receptor T cell. It's a patient's T cells, they're removed and then genetically tweaked to go to battle with a particular form of cancer. So the CAR therapy 
is at the same time cell therapy, gene therapy, and immunotherapy. It represents a radical departure from all forms of medicine in existence until now. That was said by Michael uh, Sedelane. He's co-founder of Juno Therapeutics, and he told that to The Scientist. Over the past five years, clinical trials involving those hardest and most advanced cases have produced some impressive results surrounding this particularly in blood cancer, with responsive rates reaching 90% in some forms of leukemia. That's really cool. So we're seeing some traction here. We're seeing some things happen. Dozens of trials are currently underway, though, for various forms of cancer, and the FDA is fast-tracking the approval process for using the CAR-T therapy, the, um, the cell therapy, to treat acute lymphoblastic and aggressive B cell lymphomas. Should all go well, though, we can expect those treatments to go available commercially by early next year. It's, it's really literally around the corner. So what else, but really, what are the issues? Why isn't it? Yes, of course, things are going in the right direction. And we said maybe in a year we're going to see this thing. But there are some issues still revolving around it. The treatment it happens to be very complex and time consuming. Reggie Smith, who is a principal scientist at uh, General Electric, He's working with pharmaceutical manufacturers to optimize the um, CAR-T production. He says, you have to do a type of blood draw called lipophoresis, which separates out the T cells. And then you ship it to a central factory. And then they have a two to three week window in which they are able to turn around the genetic modification of those cells. And then ship it back to the, where the patient lives to the nearest clinical center for infusion. That is quite a process to be done, right? So when you're dealing with living tissue, the materials must be skillfully prepared to avoid contamination or like deteriorate. It can deteriorate. So many things can happen with these cells, which greatly adds to complex complexity and the cost. So if you would still prefer a more natural than proven approach to cancer, um, because when I hear this, I'm like, I love that we're looking into different things. You know, I've, I've always been against like radiation, the chemotherapy, and I've always just felt like there were just more natural, a better way that we can, we can do this because I, we, we see so many people die from these, these treatments and we see more things go in the wrong direction for some reason. So I was also looking into other natural approaches for, um, fighting cancer. And I really would suggest that if you're looking into, or if you know, if you're unfor if you're unfortunately are suffering from cancer, and you're trying to fight it, first of all, congratulations, and you're doing amazing. Um, but you know, maybe you're still stuck somewhere. Maybe you're still dealing with the chemo, or you're you're still dealing with other things, and you don't really see the results that you're expecting. But you have a positive mindset, you have a positive approach, and you want to fight this thing. You are a fighter. I would say look into other natural approaches. And I would definitely, definitely say to start with Dr. Sebi, doc, start with his work and his research. Um, unfortunately, he passed, um, I believe it was last year, but you can still learn a lot about him um, and about his work through his advocates um, with the Ushma, or I'm sorry, Usha Research Institute. For those who don't know, he's the man who's been known to cure AIDS, cancer, and nearly every other disease known to man since before the 80s, for quite some time now. He ran a variety of ads, just to give you a little more backstory. 
He ran a variety of ads in newspapers, like the New York Post, really big, prominent newspapers, stating, AIDS has been cured by the USHA Research Institute, and we specialize in cures for sickle cell, lupus, blindness, herpes, cancer, and others. Of course, these ads caught the eye of the FDA, and the agency subsequently sued Dr. Sebi for false advertisement and practicing without a license. He was asked to provide one witness. He instead provided 70 witnesses, all who showed without a doubt that he can heal all diseases listed in that ad. And he clearly won the case, of course. He claims healing is truly just about proper diet. It's really that simple. What you're ingesting is harming you. Point blank, period. You cannot be eating um, like highly acidic foods, living off of, um, I guess, fast foods and all kinds of nasty stuff, starch foods, and then expect expect different results. You know, expect to be healed or expect to maybe possibly benefit from this chemotherapy. Everything works in conjunction with each other. If we're not eating the right things that are actually intended to fight off of, off these diseases or fight off or basically just heal our bodies, then that is an issue. That is a big issue. He says things like electric foods, uh, botanicals, and alkaline foods, of course, are what he would recommend. And a few other things. Herbs and plants like cancasa, which restores and revitalizes your sexual organs. See a plant, which Dr. Sebi says he gave to Michael Jackson's son, who had a tumor in his nose, and then his son sneezed it out about 20 minutes after consuming that sea plant. That's what some of these herbs do. Things like the hudia plant, which is found in Nibia. This plant nourishes every cell in your body, and if you were to consume it, you wouldn't eat for a few days, as your body literally nourishes and revitalizes, restores every living cell in the body. And then there's the iboga plant, which is amazing. It's found in Cameroon, and it relaxes the body and places the body in a state of bliss. Now, I just wanted to give you a few different examples of these herbs that are doing amazing things that we can just find that are here on our earth, that are here. You don't have to make it in the lab. You don't have to test it, you know, on mice. <laughs> you don't have to do all these crazy things that we do because they're here. They, they already have the same, they have the same structure that we have. They were made of the same particles that we are made of. And so I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I think we should also focus on natural things. We're going to go back to the scientists. It's possible that the CAR therapy um, will get approved and will move along successfully. And from what I've heard about it, honestly, I'd probably more, be more on board with this than chemo and radiation therapy. But we still have to think to ourselves, is surgery truly the answer? Is it truly ever the answer? Or maybe we need to truly analyze modern science as a whole. I understand it's a business. I'm not sure how many of us truly think that through, but science, you know, pharmaceuticals, medicine, all of this, they're businesses. So, you know, if they cured everyone, then there would be no business. They wouldn't have anyone left to cure if every single time they walked through the door, they, they were focused on actually curing and getting rid of it. No, they make their money when you come back. They make their money if you're continuing to be their patient. So it's a business, and I really wish that more of us looked at it that way. So does that mean that we're left to believe that nothing can truly be cured? Because essentially that is kind of the narrative that we get. They don't say those words verbatim. They always make it seem like it's a positive outlook and oh my gosh, we're gonna help you, it's gonna be great. 
But what are we actually seeing? Are we seeing those results? Are we actually seeing that? You know, we must believe that nothing can truly be cured. When we hear about these plants, our first initial reaction is to roll our eyes and to not believe it because we live, you know, on, in, in this side of the world over here, we're living a different lifestyle. We're living a lifestyle where nothing really seems to be cured. You know, we, 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 we get a headache, we pop an ibuprofen, and we don't even think for a second about the fact that we're going to have to take another one about the fact that this is not actually preventing or stopping it from happening again. Um, and we're kind of just tricking our brains to believe that it's better. And I just don't, I don't agree with it. And we really just have to think about these scientists and the best that modern science has to offer. And does it really actually do anything for us? <clears throat> if a man has given you a plant though, if a man gives you a plant and then you never had a headache again, wouldn't that make you question it differently? Wouldn't that make you perceive this entire modern science differently? That's what those 70 people did. Those 70 people understood, like, I don't have sickle cell anymore. I don't have cancer. Look at my, you know, the x-rays or and the MRIs or whatever. Look at, look at the information. They had everything to prove it, that yes, a doctor diagnosed them, and then months later, it was gone. And it's because they worked on actually treating it, curing it, and getting rid of it, and not just trying to live with it or dance around it. I know that I truly digress, but I'm very, very passionate about this subject, and um, I wanna look out for more results about the CAR therapy, and I suggest you guys to do that as well. And truly, you know, this CAR therapy, it seems to be giving cancer a run for its money. It, it, it seems to be that it's really um, able to get things moving here and out of the system. And I think it's because they're working with the actual tissue of the patients. They're actually figuring out what's going on with them personally and they're trying to, you know, reprogram that entire that entire process. And I think it's a great thing. If we were actually to find, I mean, finding a cure, regardless of how we found it, is amazing. That's the, that is the end goal. We are trying to help and we're trying to find the goals. And we're, I'm sorry, we're trying to find the cures so that we can forward so that we can move forward so please look into that further scientists may have found the cure for cancer and lastly we're going to move over to true success talking today over five brain training techniques for cultivating creativity now whether you're an inventor or you know a tech savvy entrepreneur innovative scientist maybe uh, maybe you're an artist Whatever field of expertise that you're in, we all seek to be more creative and more innovative and to be ever-changing and to just not remain the same. Nobody wants to remain the same. Many of us agree, um, <clears throat> or many of us can you know, regard creativity as some kind of magical gift that some of us are given at birth while other of us, others of us just don't have that gift, but truly, not the case. Um, creativity. It can be expressed in so many different ways, and it can be learned, and it can be shaped, sharpened, um, like any other skill, truly. Creativity is something that we can work on and can build on. So we're gonna go over just a few different training, um, brain training techniques that you can work on that can really help you boost your creativity and get you out of thinking that it's just not possible. Number one is using both sides of your brain. Do not fall for that myth. Oh my goodness, don't fall for that myth that you're either right-brained or you're left-brained. 
and that right brain people are creative and left brain people are more analytical. It's just, I feel this falls into somewhat of like this Western mindset, just for lack of a better word, um, I'm, I'm calling it Western. I personally feel like we're taught to just do one thing and we're almost, we're almost taught to believe that we can only do one thing and that we should strive to be really good at one thing. And I just don't think that that's true, so to speak. I think that puts us in boxes. I think we start to create these mental boxes and we start to believe that we can't do that, we can't do this, we can't do that because we already have our one thing. But if we were to actually take a second, like step away from that mindset and just take a moment to really think about it. Think about the most natural, um, personal, the most holistic perspective, just understanding of life and of the world then we would understand that that mindset just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up. We wouldn't have two sides of a brain to only use one of them, to only have one side that's more functioning than the other. So I would just throw out that entire mindset as it is. I mean, I don't remember exactly like when that mindset you know, started, who started saying that or what it even is about, but it's actually been proven you know, for years, for years now. And this was in Brenda Milner, Larry Squire, and Eric Candle's article, Cognitive Neuroscience and the Study of Memory, that all complex cognitive functions require both regions of the brain to work in an integrated fashion, shifting between divergent and convergent thinking to combine new information with old and even forgotten knowledge. So it's always been understood that we need both. We need both to be creative, we, be, we need both to get through. We need both to read. We need both to do everything. So don't focus on using on both sides of your brain and don't fall into that trap that you're only one-sided. Everyone uses both sides. The right side of the brain remembers the gist of the experience or the big picture while the left side of the brain is recalling the details. So creativity requires a whole brained approach. Um, and because it requires lateral thinking or thinking about things in a new way, Thinking outside of the box derives, devises fresh approaches to solving problems and meeting challenges. So you can try things that you can try um, to really get your brain or get yourself to start using both sides of the brain. Things like juggling, where you have to focus on you know a few different things, or doing origami, um, playing chess by yourself with yourself, um, or try daily activities like writing your name or brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand. Try doing things with the other with the other hand or the other way. Um, those are great ways to just get you to start using both sides of the brain, or maybe more so building up that other side of the brain that you've kind of been lacking. That's kind of been lacking this whole time. So number two is to cultivate a thirst for knowledge. A thirst for knowledge just fuels creativity. A thoughtful and intelligent mind demands a consistent flow of information. It is so true. By continually growing and learning, you feed your mind with ideas and expand your thinking. This includes being willing to try different ideas and not just dismissing something you know you disagree with just because you disagree with it. You work to develop both vertical knowledge, which is a deep dive into a particular thing, and horizontal knowledge, which means having a solid amount of information or understanding, but in a variety, a wide variety of different topics. Having a broad range of knowledge, though, in different areas will give you the background to pull new ideas from. 
So you want to keep looking and researching into different things. Think outside the box. Pick up a book that you wouldn't normally read. Learn something that maybe is opposed to your perspective of the world. You're only going to learn something new. You're only going to take something different from it. I encourage you to continue to learn and to want to learn. Number three is explain things back to yourself. This one is amazing, honestly. I think that this one really, it'll, if you start doing this, I think you'll start realizing um, so much about yourself and the way that you process information. Being creative also requires that you understand the information that you've been given. It's one thing to read a book or to read an article, study a subject, but it's another thing entirely to be able to explain it and to be able to really understand it, you know, yourself to under, explain it to someone else or explain it to yourself. Being able to explain that new knowledge um, shows that you've processed and internalized the information on a deeper level. It shows that you truly, truly know it. If you can explain something back to yourself, you can also expand on it. You can reshape it. You can make it your own unique vision or you can integrate your own ideas on top of that thing. You can follow threads of ideas and create new concepts. That's only if you're picking up the information that's being processed though, that's being given. So get in the habit of explaining things back to yourself to further solidify your knowledge. And this process can also help you think through ideas or areas that may be improved, which will boost your ability to brainstorm and build on those concepts. So explain things back to yourself. Make sure you understand it. Make sure that you know you understand all of it. You know, see which parts maybe you're confused about and then go back relearn um, and explain it back to yourself again. <laughs> Number four is to take breaks. Um, take breaks to switch on your creative side. This is also very, very, very healthy. If you've ever been stumped while working, which is almost all of us, nearly everyone has been there, where you know, you're really, really required to do some problem solving, you're like wired in, you're in there, like yes, 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 you feel good about what you're doing, you think you're getting the results, and you're on a roll, and then you realize that you've been like, you've been being redundant the whole time, and you're like uninspired, and there's really not anything that exciting about what's been going on. According to a Harvard Business Review, our natural inclination is to keep working on a problem even when we aren't making any headway. We're just gonna keep on going. We have no inspiration, we have no direction, we have no idea where we're going, but we're just gonna keep on going. But when we're working on a project that requires creativity, we can reach a dead end. And it's so important that you need to realize that. Because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just don't even realize it because we have that natural inclination to keep going. But it's crucial to take a break at regular intervals to really give your mind a rest so that you can Focus on something else for a moment and then come back refreshed. Maybe set a timer and when it goes off, just walk away from the project or start a new project, work on something else. And then, you know, do that. Keep switching back and forth and you're gonna see that your creativity will, will be much, it'll be, it'll be more vibrant. Maybe even easier to tackle. <clears throat> and fifth and finally, let your imagination run wild. One of the best things that you can do to hone your creativity is to tap into your natural, imaginative, and, and genuine, like your genuine child side, your, the child that lives within you. Truly, think like a child. Um, we used to play, right? We used to pretend as kids. I used to love playing teacher. Maybe I just loved like bossing my little sister around. 
But I was actually teaching her, it's funny, I was teaching her like everything. Um, I was learning at dance when I was when I was at age three. I'd come home and I'd teach her everything that I learned. So by the time that she got to dance class, she had to, she was too advanced. She had to be put like in my classes and everyone else's um, because I already taught her everything. It's hilarious. But I remember we would make up words, like my sister and I would make up words and phrases and things that only we understood and we knew. And we were constantly creating, constantly doing something innovative every day. That's truly the life of a kid. And you know, I like to incorporate that. I like to think on that and really go back to that time in my life um, to see what I can get now, to see what I can use now. So don't deprive yourself of that. Don't deprive yourself of your child's mindset. Allow your mind to wander. In fact, give yourself time to wander. Give yourself time to explore and to daydream. And then use those ideas. Really hone into that and you know, make that a part of your brainstorming. Make that a whole part of the process. Challenge yourself with the creative ex exercises such as like doodling or writing flash fiction or comedy sketches. You know, keep a journal, just keep on going. Um, Give your mind time to dream and to problem solve. And it's a great way to build your creative muscle. So ladies and gents, there you have it. Please, please, please continue to train your brain um, to cultivate creativity. Don't settle for you know the everyday mundane whatever, blah, blah. Seriously, get up there, use both sides of your brains, focus, focus, focus on cultivating knowledge and always learning being the best version of yourself. And please, use your childlike self, use your children, or maybe if you have children. If you have children, I feel like that's even a bigger advantage for you. If you have children, talk to them. Literally just sit in the room as they play and see what they talk about, see what they come up with, see the little games that they play. And I guarantee you're gonna come up with some amazing ideas that can help you and your business or you know your creativity. Once again, I am Vanessa. You're watching Believe. Thanks so much for sticking around with us today. You can check us out at believe.love or on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash believe loves you. Bye now.